it is always a, a wonderful Sabbath when my family can be here, um, and, and it's, especially a, it's especially special because uh, it's not just my brothers and sisters, but my parents are here, and so my entire immediate family and their children are here, and so I am just, it's just nice to be here. Also makes me a little bit nervous, right, because uh, my parents have always been my most honest uh, supporters. <laughs> Um, will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we gather together uh, with joyous hearts. Not just because we're here together, but because we know that your presence fills this place in a special way. And so we pray that as we open up your word and as we just dialogue about what has been true for thousands of years, Father, we pray that you would now teach us what we need to hear. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear that you may continue to transform us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So this morning, as, as we all know, today is in the afternoon at 4 p.m. is when I will have my ordination service. And it's one of those moments in the life of a pastor that is, it's not like a graduation, but it kind of is. But, but what it really is is an affirmation um, by those who, who are my, I guess, my supervisors, <laughs> who say, yes, we, we acknowledge and we affirm that you have been called to ministry. And so we begin this morning, and I want to talk about your sacred calling, because the ordination isn't just about me, but it's a reminder that I get to serve alongside of you. And, and although my role as a pastor may function in role differently than, than those of you who are here this morning, we all function on a bigger story and on a bigger playing field that we are called to serve one another and to give honor and glory to God and to lift up Christ everywhere we go. And so although my calling comes in the form of getting to, to do life with you, getting to lead this church, and, and ultimately getting a paycheck for it, it is about so much more than just that. And so this morning, I want to share with you a bit of my calling so that you can hopefully begin to see how God is also calling you. And perhaps God is not calling you to be a pastor, but I do believe that God is calling every single one of you to do something special. And so I want to begin with my story. I'm just going to share a couple of stories, and then we're going to get into a scripture. This is a picture of a church now, my family knows this church well. It is, it, it is what used to be the El Dorado Park Community Church. From the time that I was born, and I don't think my parents even know this story, from the time that I was born, I've always been a part of the church. I was born and raised in the Anaheim Spanish Church. My siblings, my parents, that's where they took us. And from a very young age also, I think from the time I was about two years old, my dad was the head of maintenance for the El Dorado Park Community Church, which is pictured here. Now, it was one of the, those mega churches in the 80s. I think it could fit like 3,500 people in the sanctuary. This is only a part of it. But one of the things that we would do here is we would go in the summers, and my dad was our babysitter, so we would get to go with my dad, and we would work with him <laughs> you know, before child labor laws, right? And so this is the sanctuary. But here's the reason I'm showing you this story, this, this picture, is that all of my life has revolved not just around God, but around the life of the church which is why I love the church, and I love the Seventh-day Adventist church. Even though we go through our ups and downs, I still am a believer of God and that God is doing something special through our church. But up to the right-hand corner, do you see the banner that says rejoice? There is an actual pulpit there. You can't really see it. 
So here's the thing. Part of my job when I would go to work with my dad and my siblings as well is that I would do the vacuuming up there. And up there on the corner, I would stand behind the pulpit, and I would stand in front of this massive auditorium, right, this huge church, and I would pretend like I was preaching. Now, I don't know if I was just copying the pastors that I would see at our church, or if God was instilling in me from a very young age, and I believe that God was instilling from a very young age, that that's what I was going to be doing. You see, God doesn't just call us where the heavens open up and, and all of a sudden we, and God speaks to us and says, now you will be a pastor. But I think the scriptures show us oftentimes that God gives us these nudges. And my calling has been a series of nudges that God was always aligning my path to give my life in service to God. And just to show you that it's not just about pastors, not, not just pastors get called, but all of us get called, I want to share a story with you. So, if you have the Red Bible in front of you, that's not on the screen, so we're just going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. It's page 192. I want to look at a story of how God calls and how as individuals we then are to respond to that call. And then we'll come back to that picture I showed you in a second. Chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, who was the, the head priest, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place, so in his bed. The lamp of God had not gone out yet, and, Sa and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord said to Samuel, all right, so here's the story. It's, it's nighttime. Everyone's going to bed. Right, Eli, the head priest who is in charge of the, of the temple, is going to bed, and it says that, that Samuel was there as well. So here's the story that's happening. And so then it says this. Then the Lord called Samuel. Wait, hold on. Yeah, then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. So Samuel thinks that the voice that he's hearing isn't God's voice, but it's rather Eli's voice. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Three times Samuel hears this voice, he hears this call, and he thinks it's Eli. And each time Eli says, It's not me. So then verse 8 says, Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went away and lay down. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. What this story reminds us and symbolizes us is that God calls every single one of you to something. He may not call all of us to pastoral ministry, but he is definitely 100% calling you to follow his voice wherever he leads. 
If you're a parent, he is calling you to be the best parent you can be. If you are a friend, he is calling you to be the best friend that you can be. If you are married, he is calling you to be the best spouse that you can be. If you're a student, he is calling you to be the best student you can be. Because what we find in Scripture is that the people didn't change the world. They weren't great men and women of the Bible because they were better than other people, but it's that they were faithful to God until the end. So often we, we see these, these superstars in the Christian world, right, and they pack out stadiums and we say, we want to be like that person. But the truth is, is that God needs us all to just be faithful to the calls that he has given each one of us. You know, I remember growing up um, in, in a Spanish church. It was the Anaheim Spanish Church. And, and I remember always thinking to myself, man, those pastors up there, they are like so, they must be so close to God. Have you ever felt that, right? You know, they're great. They know the scriptures. They know the word. They're always dressed, you know, in nice suits. And they're so nice to everyone. And I, and I would always think, like, I hope one day my relationship can God can be as close as theirs is. Well, then I became a pastor and I realized we're just normal people. We struggle with a lot of the same things, right? And what's funny, though, and, and what's what we do is we put our pastors on pedestals. We do that. You guys do that. I know you do, all right? Wrongly. <laughs> But I do that, too, because I have gone to other churches where I go and I listen to pastors, and I always think to myself, man, their relationship to God must be so tight. And we do that. We sometimes look at other people, and we look at another person's faith, and we look at pastors, and we think to ourselves, they must be so connected to God. But the reality is, the hope is that they are, but the truth is that you can also have that same relationship with God. God calls you like he calls Samuel. There is a Hebrew word that is used when it describes what Samuel does, and it's Hineni. And the word is, here I am, send me. And so in the, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, oftentimes there are stories where when God calls, the appropriate response is, here I am, send me. It's not, who am I to go, or I can't do it, or I'll do it later. It's just a willingness to be open and be faithful to what God is calling you to do. And I believe this, this is so true that each one of you here, God has been calling you to do something, but perhaps you've just been afraid. Perhaps you haven't been willing to take that step of faith. But I'm telling you that if you don't, you will regret not taking that step of faith into where God is calling you. When I was a senior in college, and I think I've told this story before, the conferences will go around the different Adventist, uh, Adventist colleges and they'll interview the seniors who are about to graduate to see who they want to hire. And what happens is they will hire the guys that have, and gals that have the best grades, that have the musical talents, and they, like, they hire the all-stars. I didn't get hired. <laughs> I didn't have the best grades. Right? I didn't really play an instrument. I, I played three chords on a guitar. And I just wasn't one of those all-stars, so I didn't, get, I didn't get picked up. And so then I had to make a decision whether I was going to put myself through seminary or whether I was going to go and try to find some other way to make a living. And I remember that I was pretty set on not going to seminary because I thought, I can't, I can't take on more school loans. I'm going to go like far away from home. There's all these things that are not going in my favor. And I remember being um, a camp pastor at Pine Springs Ranch. I had been one of the guys that was called for a week. And I remember being in my room in Pine Springs Ranch, and those of you who have been there, who have, those of you who haven't been there, Pine Springs Ranch is like a hotel. It's like a big lodge, and you have two beds in every room. 
So I get there the first night. Remember, my dad had dropped me off because my car couldn't go up hills like that. <laughs> and, um, and I remember I was there. It was like 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. I was in bed. The lights were off. And all of a sudden, the door opens. Like, if you're in a hotel room and it's like the middle of the night, that's the last thing you want to do, right? And, and so all I see is the shadow of this guy, and he had dreadlocks. And I just saw like a dark shadow because it was the lights were off and it was just like the glow from the hallway. And so I was like, what? like you know, you're half awake, right? So you're not really sure. And he turns on the light and he was just as startled to see me as I was. Well, his name's Eric Pennick, and he is actually also working at the camp that summer, and he was a pastor. And he had gone through a very similar experience where he hadn't been hired outside of college, but he still went to seminary. And by the time he was done with seminary, he was given a job with the Southeastern Conference. And so I remember him and I stayed up late at night and we shared ministry stories because sometimes ministry stories are like war stories um, because sometimes there's a lot of uh, pain <laughs> uh, and bleeding that goes with that. But I remember him saying, he says, I believe, he says, that I am here to encourage you to go to seminary. This was 1130 at night. I had decided to do something else. I was going to finish my commitment and go and do something else. But it was because of men who are faithful. See, he wasn't supposed to be up there that weekend, that week that I was there. He ended up coming at the very last minute because situations had changed. And I don't believe that it was out of coincidence that he was there, but I truly believe that God had sent him up there, not just so that I could be a pastor, but so that we could together in 2016 be able to lift up the name of Jesus. My ministry isn't about me. It is about God, it is about Jesus, and it is about what we do together. I remember, and I'll probably share this this afternoon, but the passage, the, the, the moment that I kind of got the most clarity about when I was going to really give my life to this was when I read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. And so if you want to open your, the Red Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, I remember reading my Bible before the summer before going to college, and I remember coming across this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. I remember coming across that, and I thought to myself, I ha why have I never heard this verse before? And I probably had. Like, I was at the Anaheim Sunkist Church, and so I'm sure they preached this. I was just too young or not ready to hear the word that God was preaching. But the truth is that when I heard this message, I said, I want to give my life to preaching this message. Now, I still went to La Sierra and registered as pre-med because I thought, you know, I'm going to go follow in the footsteps of my brother, and I'm going to be a doctor well, it turns out God didn't gift me with the same genes or the same smarts in order to understand the sciences and biology and chemistry. And if you've ever taken that, you'll know it's just not the easiest thing to do. But I think that it wasn't that I wasn't smart enough, is that God knew that that wasn't the path that God had created for me. And so instead, God gave me a love for the Greek and Hebrew and for the books of the Bible and for theology because he knew that we were going to be in this together in 2016. And so when we find the thing that God is calling us to, we know that it is irresistible. And so I just have a couple of Bible verses I want to share with you. Because this isn't about me. 
The reason I share my story is because I want you to have the faith that it takes to take that leap of faith to know that whatever God is calling you to do, God will be faithful to help you through it until the end. And so the question is, who is called? And the answer is we are all called. First Peter tells us that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now this passage is just, it's theologically dense and it has deep implications for it. Now, when it says that you are a chosen race, this is in the New Testament, so this isn't talking about one specific nation. He's talking about all who are believers in Christ. In the New Testament, Paul and the Paul writes about how we are a spiritual nation. We are a spiritual group of people, not just in America, but in all the world. Everyone who believes in Jesus is a part of this chosen race, and he calls us a royal priesthood. Now, in the Old Testament, the priests were the ones that would go on behalf of the people and pray to God, right? The priests were the ones that were kind of like the pastors. But you see, in the New Testament, because we have Jesus as our high priest, we all get to be a part of the priesthood of all believers, which means that it's not just pastors who are supposed to take their call seriously, but it's every single one of you who is sitting here, who is hearing this message. You are called to be a priest and be faithful. He is calling us a holy nation. Again, he's not talking about a specific location. He is talking about a spiritual realm and reality. And he says that you and I are part of God's own people. But what's the purpose of this? Just so that we can say that we are in and other people are out? Are we a part of God's family just so that we can share, say that we have all the right answers and other people have the wrong answers? Are we chosen to be God's family just so that we can judge others and tell them they're wrong? No. According to the Bible, the reason that you are here and the reason that you are called and what God is calling you to do is to proclaim the mighty acts of God who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You see, everything you have, all of the strengths you have, everything you are good at, everything that you have been endowed with, you are given not just so that you can puff yourself up and think of how amazing you are, but it is so that you can give honor and glory to the amazing and mighty things that God has done in your life. And sometimes you feel like God hasn't done enough, and sometimes faith requires you to say, God, I know that you are about to do something. Which is why when we gather together as a church, when we sing and we read scripture and we go through some of these theologically dense passages, we don't do that just because that's what we do on Saturday mornings. We do it because we believe that when the word of God is read, God is doing something miraculous. The Bible tells us you were once in darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. It's interesting. He doesn't say that now that you were once in the darkness, but now in Jesus you are in the light. It says now in Jesus you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. You know, we begin this question, we begin this sermon with the question, who is called? The answer is in the title. It says, you are called. 
You may not be called to this position, but you are called to give light and to give witness to the miraculous, the miraculous acts of God. You are called to be light in a world of darkness. I don't have to go into this again, but even just in the last week, the politics of our nation just gets crazier and crazier. Like, it can't get any worse, and then it does. You know, and all we can do is laugh, because what else can we do? But the reason, well, I don't say the reason, but, but the point of it all is that it doesn't matter about the politics of our nation because the king of our lives is telling us that we already light and we must live as light in a world that desperately needs light. We are to live as people who point to Christ as the hope of our lives in a place that desperately needs hope. We are to be purveyors and ambassadors of grace, peace, and mercy in a world that doesn't know that. And so I believe I have one final verse. Verse 10 says, it's a continuation. It says, so try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. The gifts that God gave were that some would be apostles, some would be prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and what does that last phrase say? For the building up the body of Christ. Every gift that is given, everything that you do is not for yourself, but it is so that you can build up the body of Christ. And what is the body of Christ? The church. The church, the people, the, you who gather here, we are to build up the body of Christ. I hope that you would understand this morning that every one of you is called. Just as I have been called, you are being called into ministry. Our ministries will indefinitely look different, but they are, there is not one that is better than the other. We are all in this together because we are a part of the family of God. You are called. You are chosen. God wants you to step out in faith, to step out of your comfort zone and do the thing that God has placed on your heart. You see, ministry isn't just about what we do in this building, but God has given you gifts so that when you leave this place, you're actually entering the mission field out there. And the reason that God gives you gifts is so that you can use them on the outside to be able to lift up Jesus everywhere you go. And you know what the Bible tells us? That when Jesus is lifted up, what will happen? God will draw all people to himself. Your role, your life, my life, isn't just to make more money. It's not to get the newest thing or the newest car. It's not to make sure that you have money for all of your retirement. All of those aren't bad. Just FYI, they're not bad. But your role, your purpose in this world is to lift up Christ in your words, in the way you live, in the way you interact with people. Because when you do that, the Bible tells us more people will be drawn to Jesus. And for those of you who are here who have a relationship with Jesus, you know that there is nothing more that you want than for everyone to have that same relationship. And so this morning, as, as we begin this, I, this, this sermon as we began this sermon about who is called into ministry, we all are called. We all have different roles, but we all have the same purpose to equip each other, to build up the church, and to lift up Christ in all that we do.